Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, January 17, 2021. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. The per capita amount for 2021 is $38.15 per member. Use that figure for the special blue envelope, the very first envelope in your new box of offering envelopes. The 2021 Boxes of Giving Envelopes will be handed out to you directly on Sundays. If you are being cautious and not attending church, please call the office to set up a time that would be convenient for you to pick them up. If you are unable to pick them up, arrangements can be made. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. Now let us prepare ourselves by joining together in the call to worship. The one who calls you together this day yearns for each of you and for all people to hear and be blessed. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Blessed is the one 
who comes bringing trustworthy words for the healing of the world. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Let us pray. You invite us, O God, to live in your ways, and you give us each other to know and to love as we journey in this life. Show us your will for all creation. Help us to listen to your urgings with prayerful hearts so that we may honor what you have made. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, now and forever. Amen. Assured that the one who calls us to hear and obey already knows the confessions of our hearts and is ready to forgive, let us confess our sin before God and before one another. Holy God, you see into each of us and know us fully as creatures in need of your constant care. We confess that we have neither heard your words nor followed your will. We have failed our nation, neighbors, families, friends, and ourselves. Give us ears to hear your wisdom. Lead us to honesty and faith, so that we may begin again with renewed strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God knows the hearts of those who seek forgiveness, and by grace you have been saved. In Jesus' name, you are forgiven. Your sins are no more. You have been made clean. God strengthens you with freedom through the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, amen. As we prepare to hear God's word, let us join in prayer. By your Holy Spirit, O God, open our hearts ears, our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to the Holy Word, so that it comes to rule within us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, and verses 13 through 18. 
You have searched me, O God, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Our New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked Jesus. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Then he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here ends our readings from God's word. May he bless them to our hearts and our lives. Well, today's New Testament passage recounts the calling from John's perspective of the first disciples of Jesus. I started reading right where John had declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God, 
and he explained why that was to his followers. This is the next day. It starts off with, it's the next day. that John was there again when Jesus passed by, and he had two of his disciples with him. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God. When these two disciples heard him say that, they decided to, to follow Jesus. I mean, Jesus was uh, the person whom uh, John was saying, the one greater than I is coming after me. So they said, well, thought to themselves, well, we'll, we'll follow this man. And apparently they, was a little, they were a little shy. They, they didn't feel like they could just come up to Jesus and start talking to him. So they followed him in a polite distance. But it says that Jesus stopped and turned and said to them, what can I do for you? This is showing forth the, the divine perspective, the idea that God doesn't wait till we come all the way to him. He turns and comes to us first. You know, we seek after God, but if we were left to ourselves to seek after God, we would never find him. But God graciously, as we begin to seek after him, God turns to us and reveals himself to us so we can come to know him better. So that's what happens here. Yeah, you know, they, they, he says to them when they say, Master, we want to see where you're saying, that is the uh, Jewish way of a rabbi and his disciples. The disciple was a person who would come up to a rabbi and say, can I see where you live? Meaning, I want to become one of your disciples. And the response of the rabbi was to either you know, say yes to this invitation or no. So Jesus said, you know, come and see. And then it says, and it seems kind of strange, but it says at that point it was the four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, what does that have to do with things? That it was four o'clock in the afternoon, other than to say it was very late in the day. Well, this fits into who the other disciple was. We know that one of those two disciples was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. But who was this other disciple? We're not told, and we can't be 100% sure. But the idea is that this seems like a very first-hand personal thing to say it was four in the afternoon. I mean, who, what difference would that make to anybody other than someone who was there? This seems very much like a first-hand account. And so many scholars, myself included, uh, not that I'm put myself out as a scholar, but someone who has read what many scholars have written, they see here that apparently this other disciple was John, the brother of James, who was also a fisherman alongside Andrew and Peter. So we see here that um, you know Andrew and John are there. Doesn't say much more about John. John here keeps silent. And it says, he talks about Andrew. He says that the first thing Andrew did the next day was to find his brother Simon. And he says to Simon, you know, we have found the Messiah. And, he, and it says here, that is the Christ. The idea is you have the Hebrew word Messiah and you have the Latin word, or, or excuse me, the Greek word Christ, both meaning anointed one. So, uh, Andrew brings uh, 
his brother Simon to Jesus. And, you know, there's not a lot said about Andrew in the New Testament. Uh, it, the, the important thing it says is that Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. And it says in another case that it was Andrew who brought a young boy to Jesus with his lunch, which Jesus used to feed the 5,000. And then on one other occasion, it says that uh, Andrew was one of the ones who was asked by a group of Gentiles to meet Jesus. So we don't know much about Andrew. I mean, but we know that he was a person that would introduce people to Jesus uh, and that he was willing to take a humble um, backseat role. I mean, here he was. It was Andrew who brought Simon to Jesus. And yet, when it comes to the inner three, it's Peter, James, and John. Not Andrew, Peter, James, and John. No, it was just Peter, James, and John. It, it takes a, a, a person of character to be willing to play the second fiddle. And Andrew was a person like that. But it says that uh, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And when seeing Jesus, uh, when Jesus saw uh, Simon, he says, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. Or in, Greek, in uh, Hebrew, it was uh, Cephas, but Peter meant the same thing in, in the Greek. And uh, that's an important saying because the word Simon meant somebody who was sort of shifty. It meant like shift, sifting, sh uh, sifting sands, whereas the word Peter means rock, a solid place. At this point in his life, as we see through the Gospels, um, Simon is not a solid rock. But after being with Jesus for three years, Leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter becomes the rock which who that the other disciples gather around him. So it goes on that the next day, Jesus, under the guidance of God, I'm sure, decides to leave Judea because he's down in Judea, across the Jordan from Judea, where uh, John the Baptist has been baptizing, and to return to Galilee, where Nazareth and that were. But before he leaves, he finds Philip. Now, why Philip? It doesn't say why. There's nothing, we, we know even less about Philip than we know about Andrew. Doesn't, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot. He isn't used a lot in uh, the Bible, but here he was a very, apparently a very ordinary person, but that gives us encouragement because, you know, just like Andrew was an ordinary person, uh, Philip was an ordinary person, but God used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. So Jesus goes to Philip and says, follow me, an invitation to become a disciple. And it says the first thing, just as the first thing Andrew did was to find Peter. Uh, Philip found Nathaniel, apparently a good friend. And he says to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, Nathaniel's response to this 
introduction was less than enthusiastic. He says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? I mean, we don't really know historically that there was anything particularly uh, not nice about Nazareth. Uh, there might have been a proverb about the town for some reason, or it could just be that you know there was a, a rivalry. Just between, like nowadays, there's rivalries between local towns, football teams. There might have been a rivalry between the young men of various villages, and so uh, since he, uh, Nathaniel was from Bethsaida, uh, you just had this local uh, rivalry. We don't know, like I said, we don't know for sure, but anyhow, this response of Nathaniel would be the, sort of the first fulfillment of what John had already said earlier in the first chapter, where that he would come to his own, meaning Jesus would come to his own people, to the Jews, and many of them would not receive him. At first, Nathaniel was not receiving this word about Jesus. But see Philip's response. He just says, come and see. He doesn't try to argue Nathaniel into believing in Jesus. He doesn't try to, to give a reasoned response why he should. And he couldn't have if he tried because, you know, really, there's no real reason why Philip should have this response other than God had touched his heart. I mean, Jesus, you know, unlike Andrew, Andrew had heard what John the Baptist had said and knew what John, you know, John had said about how he was sent to prepare the way. Uh, Philip didn't, didn't have it. He wasn't there that day. So Jesus had, had no one accrediting him that Jesus had not performed any miracle or given any sign or made any teaching that would make Philip want to believe. But somehow God had moved in his heart so that when Jesus said, follow me, he was willing to follow. Willing to follow so completely that he invited his friend to come along. So he just said, come and see. And I think these are some very important words. You know, sometimes we think that to share Christ with others means we have to be willing to give them four spiritual laws or the seven, seven steps of the road of Romans. We don't have to do that. I mean, we can do it if the situation is right. But the main thing Jesus calls us to do is to let him have control of our lives and that when we do that, we go around people and they ask us questions, we can simply say, come and see. And, and, and we bring that person you know, to, to Jesus. That we, pointing them to, they, we point them to him. And when they start looking at him and he touches their hearts, then they will come to accept him. And that's what happens here. Uh, you know, Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. Nathaniel decides to, to do so, and when it says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. You know, we read that and we wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, 
to Nathaniel and to most Jews of Jesus' day, they would know what he's talking about. The idea in, in the Old Testament, God called, um, you know, God called uh, Jacob to follow after him. Job, uh, Jacob was a pretty shifty, deceitful person. He uh, robbed the the blessing from his father from robbed the the blessing of his brother from his father. He had bought the he sneakily bought the birthright of his brother Esau. So he's a pretty uh, deceitful person, and perhaps uh, as he was meditating there, uh, Nathaniel had been thinking about that. We don't know for sure, but Nathaniel knew that. That, that Jesus was saying that he wasn't like uh, Jacob at this point. He was not a, a deceitful person. And uh, Nathaniel responds, he says, how do you know me? I mean, here, here's this stranger, and he knows the thoughts and intentions of Nathaniel's heart, of his mind. He, you know, he could not humanly know that. It, this was supernatural revelation that God gave to Jesus to share here. So he says, you know, how do you know me? Jesus responds, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So, you know, not only did he know the thoughts of Nathaniel's heart, he knew the location Nathaniel was when he had these thoughts. When Nathaniel responds, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He, he made a complete turnaround here. He went from Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth, to you are the son of God. What, a, what an amazing transformation. But this is the kind of transformation that Jesus can make into people's hearts as we come to him and as we hear what he says to us, he can change us completely if we're just willing to come and listen and to share what he's revealed to us to others that they might come in here too. Jesus says, you believe because I have told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then Jesus goes on, and he's apparently here in this 51st verse, he's talking to not just Nathaniel alone, but to all those that were around him at that time. Very truly, I tell you that you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Once again, Jesus is going back here to the story of Jacob. You know, as I said, Jacob was a, a deceitful person. He had deceived and, and cheated his brother. He just cheated and, and was deceitful with his father. In turn, he was forced to leave uh, his family and go to stay with his uncle who was just as deceitful and tried to rob him too. And finally, he decides under God's leadership to return home and says, but on his way there, says he laid down that night, put a, got a rock and used it as a stone. And while he was sleeping, he had a vision from God saying that he saw the heavens opened and the angels ascending and descending from heaven. Jesus is saying here that, you, that as, as uh, Nathaniel and Philip and the others would follow Jesus, they would see God's presence coming to earth through Jesus. And to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.
Now let us join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us prepare ourselves to join in prayer. compassionate God, hear us as we lift our cares and concerns before you. We pray for the world, for leaders of the nations, that wisdom and integrity will prevail for the good of all people, especially the poor. We pray in particular for regions torn by conflict, that peace may reign and living may become an enterprise of construction rather than destruction. We pray for all people of faith, for the unity of the body of Christ, that divisions might not turn people away from the church. May we present a unified message of your grace to a world in need of the gospel. We pray for our own nation, for the president of our country, both the outgoing and the incoming president, for the Congress, the Supreme Court, and all judges, for state governments, city councils, school boards, and all who have power to make, make policy, that all consideration be given to that which is most healthy, healthy for people and creatures. We pray particularly, Father, that with this soon-to-be inauguration, that you would, you would bring peace to the, our land during that time, that there will be no uh, destructive confrontations at, uh, the, at, the new, at the inauguration and in other places around our nations, but rather people will be calm, whatever their viewpoints are on the change of power in our nation. We pray for those in need, for all who are hungry in our nation and world, for those who have no home and no employment, for those who are either unjustly or justly imprisoned, for parents and children who live in fear for any reason, for all who are in mourning. 
With thanksgiving, we remember all those who have shaped us in your ways, O God. Receive our prayers and grant whatever you see that your people need. You will meet these needs through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now let us join together in that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. but not all things are beneficial. Listen to the word of the Lord as you move through your days. Trust that the Holy Spirit will guide your choices. See in each person you meet one for whom Jesus gave his life. And the peace of Christ, crucified and risen for all, go with you this day and always. Amen. 
We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen.